This episode is part of our Italy road trip series and features the central coastal region of Abruzzo. Abruzzo is geographically in the same central region of Lazio, where Rome is, and is along the eastern coast of Italy. The region includes the Apennine Mountains and stretches all the way to the Adriatic Sea coast. Abruzzo is known for its saffron, truffles, lamb, honey, and Montepulciano wine, as well as many other things. For recipes referenced in this show, please reference our show notes, which includes links to information about the region, recipes, and YouTube videos of cooking techniques. You're listening to Sharing the Flavor, a show that connects you with flavor and how to create it. In this show, we connect you with recipes, cooking techniques, and show you a little bit of the science of cooking to help make you a successful cook so you can share flavor with your friends. I'm your host, Andy Gebby. In this episode, we're featuring the region of Abruzzo. Abruzzo has mountains and the seacoast, and its cuisine is a reflection of that. Known for its lamb, pasta, and seafood, Abruzzo has a lot to offer. So join us on a fun discussion of Abruzzo. The, what I was going to say before is we should we should have a meter of things, how good they are. Is it is it Portuguese egg tart? Is it creme brulee or is it flan? Right? Is that is that is that the or is uh, it or is it easy or is it um, Jello instant chocolate pudding? Jello instant chocolate pudding. That's a really yeah. we maybe you can grade concerts that way. So like you know if it was the concert a Portuguese egg tart, was it creme brulee or was it flan? Yeah. Mm, better than both is a really well made cooked cream. A really well-made cooked cream. There you go. In my opinion. Oh, and no, it's not an, like a creme brulee. It is not like a creme brulee without the top. No, it is not. Well, the creme brulee, though, that's sort of like the pardon the pun, the creme de la creme. That's sexy. like the the ultimate. Like it's you know, sexy. you put that you put that little that little sugar crust on top. That, that's just, that's se- just like porno. Like on exactly, it's like not even it porn. It's like like good porn, like really good it is. porn. Because there's so much bad porn in the world, it's really yeah. I mean, it's it's terrible. It's like it's like it's like it's like detective novels. There's so many, there's so much crap out there, so much crap yeah. porn out there, you know. So when you see some good stuff, you know, it's not like, it's yeah, not yeah, trash that's... novel. It's not trash novel. This is a quality a quality yes. novel that we're looking at here with yeah, creme brulee. Yeah, this is this is a creme brulee. Uh, but that exciting crust start which goes through is great, but it does perhaps wear out after a few months. That actually Whereas, sounded kind of gross, though. You might want to rephrase that. The exciting crust. I'm like, yes. how old is it actually when it has an exciting crust? Does kind of make you wonder. I'm like, hmm. Exactly. Do I really yeah. want to go there with that crust? I'm I know. Sure. Yeah. You want to maybe clarify that the crust should be fresh. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I love I love these encounters and because it's very it's very pleasurable to be abused always by by Vanessa. <laughs> oh, you have no idea, sweetheart. <laughs> please flan it's only, me flan me again trust me she's being okay. gentle she's being gen- gentle giovanni just flan you huh all right no no i'm gonna i'm gonna creme brulee you dear no there's no flan involved <laughs> so so i can introduce for folks what we're gonna be talking about today so we taught where we have these road trips we've been doing throughout italy and in this show we're gonna be talking about a region of italy that is very near and dear to giovanni it's actually very near indeed near and dear to me too because i got some i had a chance to spend some very good time there with giovanni's family as a bruzzo 
and it's not as well known as other parts of Italy, but it has a ton of charm. Um, and it's actually made some important contributions to culinary things as well. Um, I do believe, oh goodness, Giovanni, it's, um, well, I mean, would you say that, well, I know geographically, we could talk a little bit about the geography of Abruzzo and how it influences culinary things. So it's, it's a combination of mountainous as well as seaside. Surf and um, turf. Surf and turf. It is wedged in between the Apennine Mountains and the Adriatic Sea. Oh, no, it includes the Apennine Mountains. It's the greenest region in, in Europe. I should note this will be Abruzzo part one, because in the future there are some people in Abruzzo who probably like to participate in, in, in arguing about exactly what the recipe is properly for this or that. I talk to them and they'll come on maybe whatever in November when we, when we get used to it. Uh, no, you have mountains and that's actually the, the heart of Abruzzo is the rockiness of the mountains because the Apennine mountains are solid rock. The Gran Sasso is one basically big rock. It's not so much a formation. And uh, it's a great uh, metaphor for Abruzzo by and large. Hard to make a lot of... Uh, growth because it was not a very fertile land. And so it's hardworking, very honest, uh, didn't have latifundismo by and large because it was part of also, also because it's not very, uh, um, the yield on the land wasn't great, but the food is of high quality. And um, it was part of the papal empire for a long time. So you don't have that, you don't have much mafia. You don't have, quote unquote, you don't have that cultural bringing up you just have a lot of hard-working people mm -hmm. and a language which is really funny how so i mean it's because uh, i mean pretty much it every sounds, part of italy sound has its dialect but what's the so special primary about activity i'm sorry and the primary activity of abruzzo particularly as the government is not so much eating as some might imagine which is just a campagna but it's digesting and the way they talk sounds basically like you're digesting <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. And and it does. Johanny, what you is your to, favorite? What is your favorite food from uh, Abruzzo? If you had to pick just actually, one, I don't think actually. Unfortunately, I don't actually have a favorite food from Abruzzo, which seems odd, but I don't. Um, I make a lot of stuff. Obviously, and I'll put up a link um, to maybe a couple of stories. If you can go to a place called Campo Imperatore, which is the other side of... Actually, we're looking at it. No, can't tell. This is Campo Imperatore. might be. What is the name uh, of it, Arros Giovanni? The, um, the Emperor's Field, Campo Imperatore, where they... Campo Big favorite of Mussolini. Um, mm. <laughs> well, you there can, you go. <laughs> No, it's actually, it's otherworldly in terms of um, it, its geography and nature. And there, if you go, that's where to get rosticini. Rosticini, in case someone doesn't know, are very small uh, lamb kebabs. But to do it properly, they should be made from castrated lambs. And they really have to be made on, on, on wood. And it's become really famous because they're really delicious. They are. I've actually had them. And I mean, for me, when I when I went to visit, and to me, the a fond memory of Abruzzo is when uh, your uh, family friends took myself 
and my brother on a very long hike in these in these beautiful you know um foothill areas and you're you on this wonderful splendid hike you come back famished and you see a person there making the arrostacini on wood skewers and things like that and it's immensely gratifying what's cool about the process in nature and that up there it still remains even though you've got this globalization fucking things up really badly and trying to make uh, destroy community it's still there uh and when the giro d'italia which is a, a an important bicycle race when the riders go through Abruzzese come in in the mountains and they offer auto sticini <laughs> still warm they and do they that's cool yes, they nice. do. Does arrosticini have to be lamb, or can it be any other meat? No, if you were talking about arrosticini, this is let's not get in that 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 stuff. Arrosticini, abruzzese is only lamb. It's let's, only lamb. Okay. <laughs> let's not go. This is let's not go. Well, I didn't know. That's why I was asking. Because oh. no, even here they arrosticini the now they have arrosticini the uh, 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 pork and and beef. No, that's cool, and the and the term is fine. Arrosticini because it means small. But Rosicini d'Abruzzo are lamb. Punto. Okay. There's nothing else. Stop. <laughs> That's all it is. And they're square. They're they square, square cut. They're small, tiny tidbits. They're square cut. This is not um, a, 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 a kebab, a donor kebab. Mm-hmm. This is uh, a Rosticini. It is quite different. Now, is there um, is there any, besides from how they're made, Giovanni, is there anything special that they do uh, herb-wise, seasoning-wise with the lamb nope. at all? Nope. It's got to be high-quality lamb there, preferably because what they eat and the happiness of their lives will give you what flavor will eventually be in your mouth. Um, so the lamb has to be well-fed and happy. Basically, they should be. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's not how it works anymore. And even nowadays... Yeah. Uh, if you go there in Abruzzo. I mean, look at us. We're not well-fed, not, no, nor are we happy. So there you go. Cool. <laughs> we need to eat a lot more creme brulee, I'd say. Just a ton more creme brulee. There you go. I agree. I more think flan, we should crack. more creme brulee. More flan, creme brulee for everybody. <laughs> and then have, you know, a cigarette out. Let's have one creme brulee, a cigarette, one creme brulee, a cigarette. <laughs> and let's hammer the damn, that thing on the cross down top, just hammer it over and over again. It splats all over the place. <laughs> just don't you know don't forget about the cigarette because you know the bed might burn down so there you go exactly. Gotta be careful. You go. talk about some arrosticini <laughs> arrosticini and uh it's a kind of a magical place to go to if you ever have a chance to so johanny uh, can you talk about uh l'aquila at all and the because i'm bringing no. up an image here of the castles <laughs> of l'aquila not really uh, I, I've only been there a couple of times, Andrew, and that was before the destruction came. It still hasn't been remade by large because of many reasons. Uh, talking about Mussolini, unfortunately, yes, as horrible as it is, he, uh, the fascists actually did lots of um, useful things for people, like rebuilding things when they were broken down or giving maternity leave and such. Would you say L'Aquila is a very, very ancient city? Yes, quite. Um, at least to Roman times. Okay. Uh, Scott as well. Um, there's a movie, I don't mean to interrupt you, but there's a movie that I love from the 80s called uh, Lady Hawk. It had uh, Rutger Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer in it. And it was set in, um, in I want to say like the 11 or 1200s. And it was in a town called Aquila, or they called it Aquila. And I'm wondering they if it was called it, but actually that was the, the, the main castle is actually in Lombardia, if I'm not mistaken. 
I haven't mm. been to that, but the pretty one where they spent the night is a uh, uh, It's I've been there. It's so it was lovely. filmed in Abruzzo then. Yes, a, lot, a okay. big chunk of it was filmed in Abruzzo. Okay, That's cool. Um, I knew you would knew that. I knew you would know that. Well, what do you not? That. What do you not know? Everything. You're, you're very annoying <laughs> sometimes, in, in that you know everything. Yeah, like what flan is. What is or creme brulee, for that matter. No, creme brulee, I just... Okay, dessert lovers, but I do need to get back to Abruzzo, specifically <laughs> specifically Pescara, because Pescara that, to, that, that to me is wonderful. The center because, of Abruzzo. Go ahead, sorry. And it's, it's, a, it's on the Adriatic Ocean, which Pescara is... Pescara is in Abruzzo. Oh, for some reason, I was thinking it was in um, Apulia. No, no. Okay. Um, the Adriatic fish have this thing which is pleasurable, and that is that they're a little bit less uh, salty than other fish. Really? Because I didn't know that. Fresh, it's the composition of the water because it's actually relatively um, less salty from the river that, rivers that come in from the north. And it's still okay, even though the, the middle of it is becoming not very nice also because of the fishing techniques that have been used they probably are still illegally used They've what are some of the well-known the fish for that you would that you would find in Pisco? No, same thing you find in the mediterranean except that they're usually usually smaller uh and um they just have a more sweet flavor this is probably most uh for me if you have if you can taste the difference it's really important in the in the frutta di mare and things like uh, uh scampi mm-hmm where all you need is if you have good Adriatic, don't do anything with it. Just, particularly for the big ones, just bring them home. They should still be live. And chop them, or clean them. Chop them into a little bit of oil and salt, maybe, that's it. Hot plate, hot uh, grill, two Done. minutes on each side, stop. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything better with them than that. And they're so good. I miss them. It's been a long while, long while since I've had them. They're now, they've now become sort of expensive, the big ones. But it has, the, and so one thing which is very good there along all the Adriatic is the fried fish, the classic um, fish exactly. fry. Yes. Sounds really good. Soul and triglia and that. And when you go farther south in Abruzzo, they make uh, some noted fish soups, the Abruzzo version of Bouillabaisse. And it's, in my opinion, very, very good. But the real Abruzzo is more on the inside, more toward the mountains, because really you look at the at the picture, the food, and even the culture changes. Already you can see the three the three you see the three there are three most important roads, the Statale and the, the beachfront. As soon as you go into the hills in the hills, things already start to change. Yeah, it is amazing like like how fast the hills approach, right? In in Abruzzo. The other thing I was I was watching a um uh a video on by a by a um uh, cooking school in in Italy was about the honeybees in Abruzzo and about how unique they are, uh, and and then the honey that comes from Abruzzo. That would be on the Maiella, probably the mountain, the uh, the larger mountains. And the Maiella is the one farther south, and Gran Sasso is the one farther north. Um, they're next to each other. What is it that um, makes the honey so unique? Like, is it the herbs that grow there? Is it something in the composition of the soil? Ask Andy. I have no idea. Or the flowers that the bees? I have no. I do not know. I would imagine that what they were talking about is the wildflowers, right? The and and the growing conditions in these mountains that they said just made for some very unique 
honey that comes from it. And they were talking about like two very like contrasting types of honey in the process. Right. No, but I'll put the links in the, in the show. It, notes. it could well be a genetic though, Andy. I mean, I, I, even in the wine, when you talk about wine, sifter and even grapes are like different. So, you know, the grape is titled the same, actually the, the, Sometimes grapes of a region are, are distinct from another region. Mm-hmm. And we will get to Montepulciano here very shortly. But let me go over our menu here for today that we have because we've cooked some of these things. So Vanessa, what, do you guys you, do? Which, what have you guys made? So we, we're going to start off with, um, pre, pre, please correct my pronunciation, uh, palote cacio e Palote cacio e vioma. Palote cacio e Sorry, Giovanni, correct me. <laughs> no, it's cool. No, we just had one thing though first, Andy. I'm going to regarding able to say so the nice thing about all the Adriatic is uh, well, first look at the male because the male female role is still relatively present. And you recall my father, and he was, and uh, actually, that's all over Italy, you get, maybe in the US too. You get a kind of walk. And in the Italy, in, in, in Abruzzo and in Puglia, and actually much of the central. Um, uh, Adriatic, if you recall the shoulder stance of all my uncles and even a little bit my my cousins, Leska's there, Lazio. Remember, they kind of like this. You can't yes. see them, but you can hear me. Shoulders up like this, kind of like gorilla yes. ish, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's what they do. They're gorilla, and you're a little slightly forward because they're a man. Yeah. Allura. You have to lower your voice and pretend like you've just eaten a really good hot dog. I just finished <laughs> it. Also, you shorten the words. You, you're never. Palote oh. cacio uova. Cacio is uh, 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 go- That's uh, sheep cheese, cheese, right? Sheep cheese. Ah, okay. And so, they, so these are these are cheese balls at the end of the day, right? That's not conveying even partially what they are. <laughs> and okay. Vanessa made uh, made a version, so she knows that's not what they are. No, I mean. The, so the, Vanessa, to educate us on this, and I'll, I'll get through the rest of the menu here shortly. Oh yeah. So no. So. Um, Basically, from what I understand, the research that I did, the um, the, the 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 majority of the the so basically, the, what they are is they are meant to they are meant to be meatballs, but instead of meatballs, they're made of cheese, egg, and bread, mm, and okay. you can throw in some parsley if you want. And so the ratios are um, important, as from what I understand. So you're you know basically meant to use like a certain re- amount of ratio of fresh breadcrumbs. So I actually did make my breadcrumbs from scratch. And then I used a combination of pecorino, romano, and Parmesan cheese, because that's what I had. So basically, I the way I did it is I got about I got about three cups of pecorino and Parmesan cheese, and I grated them. And then three cup, cups of fresh bread comes, and I did get some very good um, Italian bread, Tuscan-style bread from the from the Italian deli that I go to. It didn't have a lot of salt in it, so that was that was good. And then three eggs. Uh, I guess garlic is not like a huge, uh, a huge uh, ingredient there. I use um, four cloves of garlic because, you know, I like the smell of garlic. What can I say? And then fresh parsley and then olive oil for frying. And so basically you just mix everything other than the olive oil together and you form, it's like making meatballs really. And then you, you just form them with your hands. You roll them. Um, I don't know. So like maybe half the size of my palm. Mm-hmm. So yay big. And then I had some uh, homemade tomato sauce, and I just cooked them in the tomato sauce. Some people skillet fry them. Um, some people can bake them, from what I understand. I just cooked them in the tomato sauce, and they were really good, if I do say so they, myself. They do sound good. 
Yeah, yeah. very, and they're very substantial. I, I think probably because of the bread. That's what I was going to say because yeah. I mean, I, I make meatballs a similar way where you're forming it and then you're cooking it in the sauce for yeah. a good long period of time. It because reminded me a little bit of when we had um, Julia Scarpaleggia on the show and she was talking about how bread is such a an integral part of the cucina povera that is, mm-hmm. is, is very integral to um, Tuscany. And she, you know, just talked about using bread in so many ingredients. And she talked about the, the tomato bread soup, which I actually made as well. But it reminded me a lot of that, of just using bread as something to bulk up you know, in place of meat, I'm assuming, because probably people, a lot of people uh, were very poor okay. and didn't have uh, access to meat. Uh, so anyway, so Giovanni. Just that's, a, it's, it's a version of it. But no, unfortunately, that I didn't want, um, it does expand it. But actually, first, Palotta Cacciova, you'll note in the title, there's no bread in it. Traditionally, not now, but in the past, there was no bread. Mm. Oh, interesting. So it was just the cheese and the egg? It, in all of Italy, because you're talking about a poor country, this was a really poor country, uh, except uh, in a few places. And therefore, you take, and for some reason, Italy is the peninsula where let's take what little we have and make something, eat a edible out of it. Mm-hmm. And that relies on quality. That's also why you don't have to add too many ingredients because you have, the soil just gives great flavored stuff for the sun. So cacciova originally is just cacciova. Egg and cheese, basically. Egg and cheese, interesting. And uh, no bread was used, and you almost always fry them first. Okay. They have, interesting. And then, and then you put them in simple, in simple tomato sauce. The simplest tomato mm-hmm. and uh, basil, and that's pretty much mm-hmm. it. Then you can do everything, anything you want with it. Gachova. but by Giovanni, by, I think I remember when I was making mine, and you had given me some suggestions on it. That you would also mention that you could soak the bread in water or milk, and then similar to making the the tomato like soup that Julia made, and you you basically do the same thing. You squeeze all the liquid out, and then you just break like up meatballs. the bread with your yep. fingers, and that and just you like, add it to your meatballs, and it adds to the texture. Just like meatballs, yeah. That's mm-hmm. what that's how I make it. I use bread. I use a bit of bread because it, it tastes better, and it's mm-hmm. basically that's what do we have. And there you had lots of sheep because in Abruzzo you had you had in the transport all that Campo Imperatore and everything else I was saying of for six months of the year it was filled with sheep sheep yeah and that's why Rosticini are sheep and cachos is sheep because they didn't have a cow much so there's not in Abruzzo you don't have so many cacio is specific to sheep cheese to and clarify this sheep that's all cacio okay so cacio e pepe Gotcha it's always going to be cheese. Cheese. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. And yes, yeah. those recipes, um, Amatrice, actually used to be on, on the Bruxelles inside of, of the line. Then Mussolini changed the line. So mm-hmm. those famous iconic dishes, yes, they actually are from the mountains. And formerly they were once upon a time, until I forgot when they changed the, the boundary, uh, in the 20s probably, was actually on the Bruxelles inside of it. Oh, and now it's on the Lazio inside of it. Not really. It's, it's 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 the mountainside, and they had pigs because pigs, you know, you eat all of the pig. They're easy to raise. Mm-hmm. You give them anything you don't eat. They're very close to us, and uh, therefore all those famous Roman dishes that you know of were actually from the mountains in the Apennine Mountains. Yeah, Guanciale Gotcha. And all that. Anyway, yeah. Palatacaccio really cheap. And remember, don't forget that the, the pigs will also eat your truffles. You can't take them truffle hunting. With Precisely. You. Don't forget. So, 
Uh, and then when you mentioned about Lazio, I'm going to give like a little bit of geographic reference that those aren't familiar with Abruzzo is, is from a, what is there, a latitude perspective? It's on the same line right next, as Rome. Ohio, it's right next Pennsylvania, to Rome. et cetera. Yeah, it would be like going from Pennsylvania to Ohio. To go anyway, to and, and Palotta Cacciova, uh, everyone has a little variances on how to make it correct. I mean, pretty much everybody does have fried them, at least if you go there. They have to be okay. fried first, and then you put them in the tomato sauce and they will help flavor the tomatoes. And you don't I was just going to say because that. Because if you have really good flavorful tomatoes, uh, you don't really need anything else. Then I was going to ask that basil. because the sheep, the sheep's cheese is having, having an effect on the tomatoes. Is it, of course. Does it, would it overpower Ask her. It? She, she, uh, you, she then put it in the sauce and her would it overpower ingredients would have flavor. I didn't find that it did at all. No. Okay. In fact, I, I felt oh. actually that the sauce kind of um, was absorbed by the meatballs, yeah. in fact. And it's so the absorbed. meatballs seemed to take on the flavor of the tomato sauce more than this tomato sauce took on the flavor of the, of the, the palote cacio e uova. Interesting. And that's one of the things about the effect when you just make it with cheese without the bread is that they do get, they expand a little bit and they get kind of gummy-ish. Yeah. Because mm. there's no no bread and it's just cheese. Not no binder. Yeah, I think it was and the bread that probably absorbed and, the, the sauce and all that and made and, and absorbed the flavor too. So no, they were they were they were quite lovely. I very much enjoyed them. Definitely gonna make so, those again. I will have to make those now that it's next making menu. decent food out of really cheap stuff. This, this was a really poor, poor, poor region. I mean, it's decent Let's food, get on. but it's it's spectacular taste. I mean, sheep's cheese cooked in you know in the meatballs is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. My big thing is I was really excited to make this was a, because I love ragus. Oh, God, that looks so good. I love ragus. I love, I love, um, you know, uh, lasagna. And this is, to me, it was a kind of like a deconstructed lasagna. Um, and hopefully I get the pronunciation right. Giovanni is uh, Fragnac. Fragnac. Abruzzese, which is... You know, I, they called it like handkerchief pasta. Like you're you're forming these triangles and stuff. stuff is that what frenach is, Giovanni? And in, in frenach is that like a handkerchief? Is that what that means? I think it means, um, and the dialect mm, means nonsense. No, literally, it means. Uh, I guess we call it basically. Uh, idiots, basically bullshit. I <laughs> say. Yeah. Well. For me, I mean, in I dialect, it. it can mean something else. So, yeah. But we're not going to go there at this moment. Where are you? So I made it, and and it was a fantastic thing to make. I made the pasta from scratch, uh, which is it's an egg based pasta that you're making, and then you're making the ragu with you know with meat, fresh tomatoes, and and cooking it down into a very very delicious ragu over hours, and. To me, the, the most interesting part of it was making this handkerchief pasta where you're making it kind of these triangles. You're kind of you're folding it over like you would a handkerchief and, they, and you're filling it in with this ragu. And to me, it was a really spectacular twist on uh, lasagna. One thing one should note um, in Abruzzo and actually we have really, really good hard wheat. Oh, and is that that has an effect on the pasta, I'm assuming? Uh, of course it does. And it's kind of very flavorful itself. And sometimes people from the rest of Italy don't even get it. Um, those in much of the South, for example, ravioli, which in, which have a bazillion different forms, uh, 
but in Abruzzo Ravellone, usually often it will get like on the plate one or two massive packed ravioli because you can have these. There's enough flavor in the noodles, you don't have to do much with it because it's really good, good food. Just wanted to mention that's why we have that sort of big, healthy stuff because it's really good by itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I found with it. It's the, the the way she was mentioning, and I'll put the, the link in the show notes about how to make the pasta. There was one technique she was talking about this, which she was like, she blanching the pasta a little bit before you, before you incorporate it into the handkerchief. So you kind of expose it to this kind of hot water, just enough to make it pliable. You, you do that with lasagna too, Andy. You do that oh, with yeah. any pasta sheet uh, that's, that you want to use to make a lasagna. You, 60 sec, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, then yeah, it was real quick. And, dry, and then dry it quickly. Otherwise, you'll have a mess. Yep, that's exactly what I did. And, and it any was cast um, lasagna. Any, any, any flat pasta is the only thing you have to do that. Well, it's, uh, you know, it, for me, it was a little new doing it, um, it you know, because I don't make, you know, uh, flat pasta sheets uh, often, but um, it was a great process. So the, to me, uh, Vanessa, this, this was like a, Super hearty ragu. This is perfect winter food. I was right? just going to say you're... it's perfect going into the fall and winter. That looks really simple. And the pasta wasn't difficult to make. I assume you made it from yes, from scratch. Yeah, made, making it from scratch. It really wasn't all that hard to make. It was, you know, to me, it was more the process of because you you roll it out fine because you're making these sheets, right? Yeah. In the process. And you don't use a pasta maker, do you? You do you just roll it out old school? Roll it out old school. Look at you. Right. You're like a pasta yeah. granny. Yeah. yeah, it's it's I to me you're it's pasta actually, daddy. Pasta daddy. Pasta there, to me, daddy. There you it's, go. It's, Pasta it's thera- daddy. It's therapy. To me, mm-hmm. it's it's one of these things when you're working out Thank any you. type of frustrations, you work it out with the roller. Yep. And at the end of the day, you have this gorgeous pasta that you're eating. So yes. it's um, it was a lot of fun to make this. It is a substantial dish that you will be tired after you eat it, you know, because it is it is really substantial. Uh, but it's a great, like you're saying, it's fall. Like I could mm-hmm. see somebody making this for like, you know, fall, early winter type of thing and being really, really happy Fazzoletti. with it. Fazzoletti pasta. What is that? Fazzoletti are handkerchiefs, handkerchiefs. Oh, they are. Okay. So that is the handkerchief. Okay. Yeah. So to me, it was something I'd never heard of before. It was a ton of fun to make. Um, and I highly recommend it for people that like lasagna, like ragus. Um, and the next pasta was just like your basic water, flour, egg. Yep, yep. I'll bring up the ingredients uh, here. It was okay. pretty much a simple egg pasta. Okay. They used eggs. They used eggs. Yeah, this was this Giovanni was. Giovanni does doubles. not approve that you use. He eggs. No, not. I, it's, not, it's not approval, guys. It's just that there are different things. Most oh, I, of the I pastas. Sense that. I sense that deep disapproval in your voice. You used yeah. an egg. <laughs> uh, can I ever get away from this abuse? I'm going to send you flan. <laughs> oh, you know, promises, promises. Right. If you say you're uh, going to send flan, so. you really need to deliver. Yeah, that's, all, that's well, then I'm going to send creme brulee. So there. There you go. And then I so, should return with a Jello brand gelatin. <laughs> to answer your point, Giovanni, double zero flour, uh, <laughs> eggs uh, was what was my was what I used for this particular pasta dough. No, I'm saying is that usually most of the pastas and uh, and the salad are often not. This is like a mini Romani uses that here often use semolina, which you can't really find a little bit in, in the United States. Um, and you, it's often poor because it's poor not necessarily to use eggs. You don't have to mm-hmm. use eggs, but you can use water and a little bit of olive oil too to yeah, make a, yeah. a good pasta. Just because yep. it's a poor region and if you're using eggs, it implies that you've got some 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 dough, some money. Yeah, you're northern, right? You got you got you got the eggs thing happening. But um 
Yeah, it's for me, it worked out fantastic. I do want to try it, you know, maybe without with a non egg based uh, uh, dough. Oh, but, if, um, it, if it worked, cool. It was you, great. you basically made lasagna. Yeah, essentially. It's, it's, it's like I said, deconstructed lasagna, but it was, it was great. On to our next dish, and this is one that you've made a ton, Giovanni, is yeah. Scrippelle and Busse. Mm. Which is just first go to our um, episode on stock and broth and how every, and all these things that what, it's not you can't do it anyway. This is just when I'm talking about carbonara or something. There are some parameters that you cannot change and call it the same thing. Forgive me, guys. It is important. Uh, I know Vanessa doesn't think so, but it really is important. Oh, you know what, Bologna? Yes, I I know it's important. So, however, once you've done that parameters, or if you leave the word and the definition behind, uh, then you know all these things are meant to be balanced out. That's why it doesn't have to be in this Kipelambus. You can look at a specific recipe, and it's cool to follow it. But what you're trying to do is to integrate a lovely uh, crepe, really thin, mm-hmm. with a broth. And then with that crepe, you're going to flavor it with uh, cheeses, whatever you got some good cheeses. This isn't And because you're using a meat broth, it's always kind of an, a, a, a rich, kind of an expensive Sunday type dish. And it's overwhelmingly good. And it's not really well known. It's becoming all once well known because for some reason it was not made. Now it's becoming well known in Italy, at least, because well, it's really very good. It, it looks incredible. And they were saying, like, I guess, was is it true that it was kind of um discovered by accident like the chef is making crepes and accidentally they made they fell into contact with the broth uh i did not read that i read some other things and references to it all the way back from the 1800s so um and also something regarding a war it could be and i don't know if you can find out when and where because it seems like something which is spontaneously obvious yeah and you've got similar types of things all over Italy, except that this is, what have you got in the Abruzzo? Cheese. <laughs> and a little bit of egg, and this is nice because not a little bit of egg, but a little bit of egg goes a very long way with these with these crepes. Uh, because you, you they're, they're really thin, and they're made primarily as a device to absorb flavor. So, are, so you're texture. making the crepes very thin. Is the cheese going really in the crepe? Is the cheese going in the crepe or on top of the crepe? No, no. First, you make a crepe. Uh, you can do it as you want, but they have to be. They really should be very thin. You can make them thicker if you'd like to, obviously as well. But uh, tendentially, it'll work better if you make them really thin. I, for example, ladle onto my little pans. You can make them smaller, larger, but for making them handable in the middle, it's a little smallish. And then I drip out the excess. So all I have is a very paper-thin type, not paper-thin, but um, I don't know, very, very, very thin, basically a dime, a quarter, quarter, quarter size width, mm-hmm. as in the width of a quarter. Uh, I use I use nutmeg, which I think works pretty well in what I do. I make a rich meat broth, personally. Um, you can do it traditionally, which would be just with a hen. If you use a hen, then you, then some people do use just parmigiano, grated parmigiano. Mm-hmm. That is, you make the crepe, and then you put grated parmigiano, and then roll it together. Mm-hmm. Out goes the crepe, on goes the cheese. Um, you can mix it. Usually, uh, I end up mixing it with a little bit of uh, Tuscan, very lightly aged uh, sheep cheese, and parmigiano mm-hmm. mixed, uh, 18 months aged, and a little bit of, uh, that's it. 
roll them up, and then just put the broth on top. And then as soon as it soaks in, it becomes a lovely, a mouth-filling flavor. I but the broth has to be good. And anyone listening to this, please do like Vanessa does, like I do. I'm pretty sure it doesn't do it as yet either because he's too busy all the time. Make your broth at home. Yes, there is no I actually, actually, I, actually, I do. I don't make as much as I mean. Vanessa does a wonderful job of actually making and storing hers. I wish, I wish I, I could do that, but it's you've it, got it's, a, it's the you've truth. You've got a fridge bigger than Ohio almost. Your fridge, I recall, it is huge. <laughs> it and is. Just, it needs more broth. It freezes it. perfectly well. It, 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 there's no compares like mashed potatoes. Stop buying that dried flaky crap. Whoever's listening to this, don't. It's it the takes truth. I mean, when, when half you an hour to boil the things, and it's like having a different dish. There we go. Stock, that's the difference has... between having sex with flan and having sex with creme brulee. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one the, is good, the other is phenomenal. Exactly. Yeah. So, Giovanni, I wanted to ask a question. Do, do, I guess it depends on on how well you make your your uh, your. It's it's crepel, right? Crepel mabus. Crepe. Crepe. Mabus means 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 wet. Means wetted. Does yeah. that, so does that make the crepe soggy or is that the intent? Are they, should they be a little That's soggy? That's the intent. They're okay. soggy-ish. That's also why you don't want them to be too large. But there are some soups in Emilia Romagna which you make with kind of a very thick, not exactly crepe thing, which is also considered, for example, a grand dish. And I'm pretty sure that you can go other places and you'll find yeah. similar things. It just is a way to give a, a texture to a rich broth. And I mm. flavor it. And I think nutmeg works very well with how you use it. If you don't, don't. And then you can go wild. You can make crepes and then do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. But crisp and boost is marvelous. It's perfect. It goes with Montepulciano and the Russo really well. I was going to say, I mean, it's, 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 it's... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, oh. Andy. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, it's, it's you know, I like, uh, you know, I like sweet crepes. I like savory crepes. This is a fantastic savory crepe, and I bet it would go incredibly well with Montepulciano. Ah, and use whatever flour you like. Uh, I use usually a mix because... I look and see what I have. These are all poor dishes. So not this is less than basically like for the palota cachova. What if you have in your fridge? Mm-hmm. Maybe by making. But I guarantee thingy, you, if I had made my palote cachova with any other cheese other than with 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 a cacho, I would have heard about it. I guarantee you, I would have heard about it from someone. We won't mention any names. But I would have been lectured. I would have been criticized. I'd have been like. Well, it's not that me, you, so. you couldn't have that point use the word cacho because they wouldn't make it's not the cacho. But it's not okay. they're all the notion is, is what have you got and make the best you can with it. And that's what this stuff is. Just make the best, but make the best you can with it. Don't don't be lazy about it. Yeah. So the, the next thing I want to talk about, because I do like spaghetti, is a very unique thing to Abruzzo is Spaghetti alla chitarra. This is a promise. I do have to find a way to send both of you, each of you, a guitarra. I mean, I trying I'm to waiting. find them. Please, I will send. Uh, so, if you can find me a good pictures online, I, I think this is fascinating. So, for those that aren't familiar, this is a this is a pasta that is made using an instrument that looks like a guitar, well, and you're kinda. and you're and you're forming the pasta using it, which looks really cool. It is. What I think is cool about it is that it's a, it's a marvelous way to be lazy. It's inventive. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, because uh, uh, when you're making the sfoglia, you really have to kind of know a little bit what you're doing. You can mm-hmm. use you can use machines now, of course, but it takes a bit longer. Pasta de guitar is great because you just have to 
put it to the to the, to the width you want, and then you just uh, uh, hammer it through the the chords. It's the guitar. It's a square okay. thing. I'm sure you can find an image somewhere. Um, hold on, you guys keep talking. I'll I'll bring you to yeah. Show find an image and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. But to me, it's it's you know you're forming this pasta. You have the spaghetti. The way that they were uh, describing, and and I do want to see if you know when Giovanni comes back. Would you have this with cacio e pepe, or would you have it with some other? Would there be another way you would eat this spaghetti uh, alla chitarra? Um, uh, I don't know if the if it would be of a tomato well, if, sauce. If you're making it with the chitarra, isn't the isn't the idea that it's going to have these little tiny ridges? Well, it's going to have little tiny ridges, so it's going to. Yeah. So it's so. I what I'm what thinking is, oh, the pastas he's... that have little ridges, they're meant to be more with served with sauces that have a little bit more texture because the ridges. Kept, what? That's cool, Giovanni. That's playing guitar. He's playing guitar. This is and this is guitar, and that's guitarina, smaller. Oh, you're literally that's... playing your pasta maker. That's kind of cool. That's guitar. That's, that's cool. And this is how you adjust it up here. Neat. Well, play it again. Play it again, Giovanni, for this so we can I hear on the microphone. The here. Shoot. It's gotten kind of fucked up. Yeah, play and it again. Some, and fun. sing something in Italian to go along with it. La gente mi cantare. Peace to the soul. He just croaked. Oh. So, Giovanni, if, you're, if you were going to make, um, you know, uh, spaghetti alla chitarra, would you, what, what, what would be very typical with the sauce, or what would you make? Would well, you make anything with? you want? It's not that way. Any there are two. It depends. There's on every guitar you can have guitarine, which you'd make, for example, with say uh, a, a, a shrimp sauce with a bisque or something, if you want. Mm-hmm. And then you have a guitarra, which can also be called tonarelli and stuff like that, which you make with whatever you want. It goes. It's just the way you can make anything you want. Also, because you make it with egg, you can make it without egg. It's just a form. All it does is it's just an easy way of, of making a, a, a lovely pasta. And it does come out nice and square and, and, and cool. Obviously, in Abruzzo, you make often. Gotcha. No. No, you can't, really? No, no, lamb ragu. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Lamb ragu. A lamb ragu with a guitarra because it's nice, rich, and hearty. In Abruzzo, when they offer to give you food, as Andy recalls, and he still is, you eat a lot of food. Oh, yes, so you when you have a plate of it, it's, you know, it's pretty massive. Uh, but make anything you want. Uh, sure. Make a carbonara if you want with it, too. Not with the egg. Make it without the egg. But... The, sea, the seafood thing sounds interesting. The, 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 this is like the, you said a shrimp? I think no, that's Andy, it's just, <laughs> you can... It's, uh, when you're cooking and you get used to cooking, you just you can make anything. There's not like the pro- even here it's happening too. The notion is to be adamantly attached to recipes, mm-hmm. but that's not really what you do. You do in certain recipes. You basically you cook. Yeah. That's kind of what Chang is, it, 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 it tries to do too. You're trying yeah. to. What have you got at home? What have you got to make? You got some cream cheese. Cool. You got some ginger. Cool. Will they come form? The, will they work together? Hey, they will. Yeah, you form Maybe things. lemon rind. Cool, yeah. and that's already a really good pasta. Yeah, which I make often. Often I make they make a little bit of butter, a little bit of cream cheese, um, a little bit of parmigiano, and ginger. 
Do you play? Do you play the kitara and sing after you're done making your pasta on it? That's what I want only, to know. Only if there's creme brulee to come. Ah, <laughs> well, gosh, there's so many places that I could go with that, but I won't. I was going to yes. say. Now, actually, we are getting close to the dessert round. We've already talked about talked about arrostacini. I do want to talk about if we if we have time to do it, is uh, ciabotta. 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 Ciabotta is just the same thing as ratatouille, as ciambotta, as uh, 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 caponara, as. Uh, it's just the best, wonderful, fresh vegetables you have locally, cooked and mixed in a nice sauce. And that's what you get. I make something which I call chabotta, which is not because it was based loosely on something that um, my aunt and more importantly, the woman who worked for her, Vanessa's gone. Yeah, we lost her. Hopefully she comes back. She went on mute, so give her a moment. Keep going, okay. Joe. Um, and it's more like a peperonata, and it's for some reason, effectively, everyone ever eats it seems to like it a ton. So, what's, what um, would be the difference in between a, a ciabotta and a peperonata? Because I don't, I don't think a lot of people know peperonata. A peperonata just means, just means bell, pep, bell, pep, bell peppers. Uh, that's what. Pep- so it would be cooked bell peppers, essentially. Yes. Uh, whereas a ciabotta is more mixed. Uh, every part of the Mediterranean has a dish like it, and they're all the same. Mm-hmm. So there's no real direct way to say a recipe. Then, if depend on what vegetables are there, you're going to have to to, to alter things a bit. I make it basically a peperonata, which I call ciabotta, and I make it tomatoey. But it depends on how, what I'm going to be making it with. And every household has their way of doing it. Depends on what they make. Most of the houses that used to have uh, make their own vegetables, which Vanessa is probably discovering tastes so much better when you when you make it at home. Yes. Uh, it really do. And you pull it out of the ground and, and eat it, and all of a sudden you're eating something that's really good. What tastes better when made at home? Everything. Everything yes. when you made for homemade. The vegetables you just pick and then make are almost always going to be better, even if you go to the market, depending the on the quality, of course. Because it's you, as soon as you pick a thing, it starts to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, it's uh, like in this particular recipe, it's zucchini, it's you know potatoes, uh, chili peppers. I think it's anything, any great vegetables you can get your hands on. Yeah, um, and that makes sense. And just cook them together and let them do their magic, and they get together and and it's creme brulee. Yes. So. We're getting close to the dessert round here. I, I brought up a dessert, but I think you're probably going to show me some other different desserts, Giovanni. So, no, I'm not. Um, this is, um, the Bruce is not big on desserts. Creme so brulee? Cool. <laughs> so for me, growing up, I, I loved um, uh, these kind of the little wafers, these type of waffle type things that they would make. So it's in Abruzzo, it's, was it ferratelle? Is that right? Ferra is the thingy. Tele means small. And so it's small things. Uh, ferro is iron. Small things done on a waffle iron. And usually they're flavored, these things, with a bit of anise type thing. Mm-hmm. Andy, I've lost you. Okay, you're still there. No, nope, I'm still your here. Voice is there, which, which, which your face is... is not. And ah. again, that's all over Italy. Have something like that. Yeah, to me, I, growing up, 
ferretere or whatever we would call it here in, in the U.S., is is delicious treat. So it's essentially like a teeny waffle made cookie, right, in the process. And you can what goes. They look a little bit like pizz, uh, pizzelles or pizzelles. Exactly. 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 What's good about this stuff is, of course, you can put anything you want in the middle. And, and when I was watching this thing on honey, they were using honey and walnuts. I forget walnuts who just looked decadent. So. Traditionally, what often is used, obviously, in Abruzzo, because they made a lot of, uh, uh, gr- of grapes, lots of grapes. And so after they've been um, squeezed from the juice, that stuff is cooked and made into this jam. And oh, that'd be incredible. That's what you use there. And uh, some people don't like it at oh, all. That sounds amazing. No, so some people don't really like good. that taste at all. I do. I just love it. Uh, and it's used in a whole bunch of things, particularly around Christmas, because of course you they're doing it now. Shortly, I'm sure there'll be the vendemia in October, usually the vendemia. Uh, and then, of course, that's when you make the the jelly, and then you make the fried things and these things as well. Nowadays, people put Nutella in it, but yeah, Nutella. I, to me, eh. honey, eh. fresh walnuts, the the jammy stuff sounds incredible. The Nutella, yeah. My grandmother made these a little bunch. So the last thing on our list. Exactly. Uh, Last thing on the list, a wine that I love, uh, Montepulciano di Abruzzo. I am agreeing. It has unfortunately become popular. And the wines which the two of us used to drink together, Andy, are now becoming absurdly expensive valentini yes so it's it's too bad it has a, 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 a it's very round as it can be very structured it is very catho how would Finally you describe Mon- how would you describe Montepulciano to wine lovers that may not be familiar with the grape how would you if they're wine lovers wines? they're familiar with the grape and they've drunk it at any trust me okay i mean if they're <coughs> well versed uh because it can give you uh, many layers of delight and yet it remains here clean uh you don't have to work hard the tannins tend to be harmonious pretty quickly uh don't need that many years usually to get something uh, pleasant out of it so it's so so it's not like remember the the one that the show that we did on piedmont and now barolo needs time montepulciano doesn't need that amount of time no but all if you're going to high uh on top, it's 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 going to take a dozen years to get to its peak, I think, or at least. Um, but more importantly, if you're not careful with that stuff, the winemaker, you'll end up having something that's very unpleasant because the tannins can really go wacky, mm-hmm. in my opinion, particularly if they're young. And sometimes I go to wine tastings as yet, if, if I have any money at all. Uh, but um, it's sometimes it's worth it and sometimes it simply is not. Uh, Montepulciano de Brusso, you guys, I'm sure have had it, tends to be always at least good. Well, unfortunately, what happened before was it became the what was used in Tuscany to give more body to wines. Oh, really? And so you got used to a culture of let's make crappy wines or fresh wines, which are perfectly fine. Again, in Italy, the thing is... So now we know where Boone's Farm came from. Nice. 
Boone's Farm. You guys are, I do not know Boone's Farm. Is it a flat? Have you never heard of Boone's Farm, Giovanni? It's a seriously cheap wine. Jello? Oh, it's horrible. It's awful wine. It might come, some of them might come from from Italy, though. (laughs) Now, now faking things is a bit more in in vogue because the margins are huge. Um, Yeah, that's the difference between, remember Valentini, the stuff we used to drink, Sandy, we're drinking together, is now $3.50 a bottle. Oh, I know. And it's, well, I'm, to me, Whereas it, farm, what's it called? Boone's farm is what? 99 cents less than the, less than the, does it come in glass or plastic or, or paper? Um, well, way back in the day it was large glass containers of it. Cause it was super cheap. But Ooh, I think they put it in like plastic. Car- it was like that Carlo Rossi wine that came Carlo in Rossi. Like gigantic yes, jugs. Perfect. Yes. Yes. That like you would take that was the really cheap stuff you would take camping with you or if you were going to be going anywhere out like out in the country or the the, the wilderness oh yeah and that's that was, and that's and that's why one of my favorite drinks when i was yeah, here is called and they don't get it for some reason if you go north what are you doing mezza mezza why because you have wine which is basically boon uh <laughs> and you had a lot yep. of it and how do you drink it well you can't drink it straight so you get a uh, gasosa which is kind of like a it's, better than Sprite, but it's kind of a Sprite, half Sprite and half the red wine. Oh, and it and you're works making great. a spritzer. You're making a wine cooler. Make it mezza mezza. Yeah. The other thing is that the fresh wine, which for example, the farm unfortunately sold, um, is that if you make it quick, kind of like a novello, it works for about a year really well with a simple plate of pasta, la guitarra, with simple tomatoes and onions, nothing else, hard wheat, no eggs. Mm-hmm. which is, was often you eat as sort of the first course, 70 grams, no more, and a good chunk of that wine with a little bottle cap on that was made last year or last now, that will be <laughs> soon. <laughs> and, and that's it. It's grape juice. Hey, you can't it's go grape wrong. juice. But then a younger generation came in and also uh, really smart people, uh, rest in peace, Valentini father, when I lived and, in Spain, there was a drink that was uh, kind of big at the time. We would always find it in the in the bars and the clubs, especially. It was big in Madrid, anyway, and it was called a calimocho, and it was a very cheap, inexpensive red wine mixed with Coca Cola. Yeah. Same difference. Meds and meds. And the the bartenders would always say it was the, it was their way of trying to get rid of the really shit cheap red wine <laughs> he said it was one of the i still remember one of the bartenders he said well the americans love it so i think it was somebody de- like <laughs> someone developed it as a way to you know kind of humor the american tourists oh let's give him something with coca-cola and it's a good way to get rid of our cheap uh our cheap really crappy wine and you know too. and you know it goes really Sir, well with pasta alfredo it goes really well with pasta alfredo really and chicken oh parmesan. i bet it goes really well with chicken parmesan, parmesan andy yes. yeah yes. there you go there we go nice Mezzo nice. mezzo and chicken parm can't go wrong. It's actually pretty good. I like mezzo mezzo. <laughs> did he just say he liked mezzo mezzo? Oh yeah, he I did. like mezzo mezzo. Wow. If if, well, if 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 it's done, he's admitting, he's admitting that he likes something that's that's middle of the road. I, I can't. I, all right, Andy, you have this. Well, this you, isn't middle of the road. This, this, this is this is we're this recording is, this for this posterity. This is cheap stuff. Uh, this is really. But my 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 uh, aunt used to make this wine, which was pretty not good, <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't understand farmers there. They didn't. There's a great defensive ignorance, um, reverse snobbery, and therefore there was a lot of reticence, and it took a long time. Now now it's exploded. 
mm-hmm. and Abruzzo makes world-class effectively wines. Yes. Uh, but before then, there was in my aunt, and they would make fun of Valentini because he was making, he was charging 30 euros a bottle. Oh, God. You'll never <laughs> sell. And, he, okay. and look at him now. Well, he's dead, but uh, uh, his son is there, man. And there's just this red, what we're going to do, we're going to make just lots of grapes, ton of grapes. We're going to send them to Tuscan like we always did. We're going to use the moss to make grape jelly, and we're going to make this crappy wine. And in six months, when it started to go bad, we'll, we'll add some some lemon uh, soda and call them Enzimenza. Yeah. And that remained to the end. And it was perfectly fine. But that's not the sort of useful, uh, in my opinion, uh, conservatism or respect for tradition. A respect is maybe could be a bit more, a bit more layered. Respect the grape, the land, the yeah. tradition, the gesture. But if the wine sucks, stop making it. For God's sake, stop making it. Make good Montepulciano. Yeah, but then so what, what, would, what would poor teenagers drink then? If you stop making bad, crappy. Well, they're drinking Red Bull now anyway. (laughs) There you go. Mixed with really cheap vodka. You know what? You're actually right. So Red Bull and cheap vodka. I'm thinking of me when I was a teenager. I liked the cheap wine because I could pour it into one of those really awful, like one dollar glasses you would buy at like dollar store, and I would just feel very elegant and classy drinking this wine that was this this god awful shade of pink that. You just (laughs) you just know is gonna you know look even worse when it came out of you three hours later. What can I say? I've always had delusions of grandeur. I was going to say we all we we all have our youth and the and the misinformed things we do during youth. But <laughs> hey, one one last thing before last you leave, you leave with Andy is that that's the famous red grape, but it's actually other things. And Abruzzo makes many wines now, not like Piemonte, but they have lots of different grapes. And they make they make they even now make a bubbly, which oh, I've cool. not tasted as yet. Well, so the one question I was going to ask, and I is, oh, thank you for putting the citata up there. But the, so I noticed in this article that Montepulciano uses a little bit of Sangiovese grape. Is that correct? It depends on the maker, Andy. It's no, 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 no. It's just the, uh, depends on who's making the wine. I don't know what the parameters are for DOC for to have the, the uh, uh, official label. But that depends on who's making. I'm sure they have some leeway, but that depends on the on the, on the farm, on the maker, mm-hmm. on the on the guy actually making the or woman or whoever the group making the wine. There are usually parameters. I'm afraid I don't know the parameters. Most of the time, no, it's straightforward Montepulciano. I, Valentino is all Montepulciano when he has. Uh, as was also, and it, man, was his Cherasuolo was so fucking good. Ah, that's what should have been mentioned. For example, Cherasuolo Bersese is different, completely genetically. From other places, so it gives you a different flavor. Sorry, go ahead. No, and and that was it. So I think this has been a fantastic part one of Abruzzo because we have more to come with it. But it's you know for those that are unfamiliar with the region, there's a lot of really great unique things about the you know the surf and turf um, uh, region that is Abruzzo. So thank you both. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the abuse. Uh, uh, Vanessa, it's always a pleasure to be flat. Prego. Prego, Prego. Caro. <laughs>